Who's somebody that you're in it with this year? You don't have to shout it out. You just need to think about it. Who's somebody you're in it with? All right, now we have to shout it out on three. Everybody together. One, two, three. All right, I feel together. Warm-up question number two. How did you do in 2019? How'd you do? How'd you do? Scale of one to ten, how did you do? 2019. I'll give you eight seconds to think about it. All right, how do we do? Three. Eight. I heard a seven. Anybody ten? Ten? Oh, we got some tens in 2019. Yeah, uh-huh. Pride goeth before the fall. Yeah, all right. Uh, did you accomplish, think, think a little bit. I need you to think a little bit now. I need you to think back to the beginning of 2019. Here we're at the end of it. I need you to think back to the beginning of 2019. Stick with me on this. Did you accomplish the change in yourself that you wanted to accomplish at the beginning of the year? Think about what you wanted to accomplish in yourself in 2019. Can you remember? How many of you can remember it? Four of you? How many of you can't remember? How many of you didn't know it was 2019? How'd you do? Did you accomplish it? How many people say yes? How many people say uh, no? No? How many people say nothing? That's what I thought. I didn't. I kind of whiffed in 2019. It wasn't a good year. Whoa, now we're back. Hello? Yes? No. Now we're back? We're good? As I was saying, 2019, uh, spotty year for me. Uh, I don't think I accomplished the things that I wanted to, um, to accomplish uh, in my life or in myself. Um, although I think I ended the year on a sprint of personal change. And do you think it's good to do self-inventory like this? Is this a helpful exercise? I think it's a helpful exercise uh, because, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't grow, you die in this life. Uh, life is a progressive thing, and the kingdom of God um, is a progressive thing. So we have this, this tradition at Blue Water Mission uh, that uh, revolves around New Year's resolutions. How many of you love the exercise of making New Year's resolutions? How many of you hate the exercise of making New Year's resolutions? There are more haters than lovers here. Uh, well, uh, too bad, because uh, we do it uh, every year. We just take the opportunity, uh, because I think there's a big connection between resolving to make change, to make progress, to make growth uh, in your life, and whole bunches of, of teachings that Jesus gives. Jesus, uh, more than anything else in, in the Gospels, teaches on this thing he calls the kingdom of God, or in Matthew it's called the kingdom of heaven, a uh, very similar phrase. And it was a phrase that, that Jesus really invented when he showed up and began his public ministry. Uh, his thesis statement was, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now in your, in your hands. Uh, repent or change your thinking and believe the good news. 
This is good news, guys. You thought the kingdom of God was some like vague future thing. No, no, no. The kingdom of God begins here now. You can walk in it with me. And what he would do is invite people into the kingdom of God. That's how, that's how Jesus talked about mm, what later Christians might call conversion or you know, salvation, something like that. He never said, agree with me. He never said, you know, think like I think. He just said, follow me. Join into this thing that I call the kingdom of God. And the word for kingdom uh, means something like dominion or control or order. I'm bringing the order of heaven to earth. Jump in. Jump in with me. And, and then throughout his, his ministry, he would give little teachings on what it was like to live in the order of heaven on earth, what it was like to participate in this thing called the kingdom of God. Uh, he said the kingdom of God is like, it's like a mustard seed. It's like a tiny little seed that you plant in the ground, and then like this miracle happens, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. It just takes over, which mustard can do. We don't have any wild mustard around here, but I've seen just fields of it on the mainland. It can just like take over everything, even though it comes from a tiny, tiny bit. He said the kingdom of heaven is like uh, a little piece of yeast, you know, and he put a small amount in a huge, uh, you know, batch of bread dough, and it raises the whole batch, you know, because yeast multiplies. And uh, the kingdom of heaven is... is uh, is always progressing in the world. He said it progresses violently or by force, he says in Matthews 11. Like it, it spreads like nobody's business. So if you are part of the order of heaven on earth, one thing about you is that you are always changing. You are always progressing. Day after day, week after week, year after year, you're always growing. And that is what it's like, Jesus wanted to make clear. It's not like a decision you make once and you're in. It's not how this works, according to Christ himself. Uh, he said, no, you get in and then it just takes you places, man. It just takes you places. It makes of you something that you did not see coming. It makes you a person that you would not have conceived of becoming. Does that sound like your experience? Does it sound like the experience you're starting to have, maybe? Well, we like to be loyal to the teachings of Christ around here, and so one of the ways we do that is we celebrate New Year's resolutions just to get everyone to kind of think about it. Well, I mean, how am I doing? Am I changing, or am I resisting good change? It's going to be one or the other. And if you're like me, it might well be a mixed bag, you know? Like some ways I'm, oh, I'm happy to change. Oh, yeah, I'm a little resistant to change there. That one, that one is painful. How many of you find change to be frightening? How many of you just love change and adventure in life? Instability? All right, a few veterans. One of the many teachings that Jesus gives on the subject, and he takes different different vectors at it, uh, but one of the many teachings I've written down from Mark chapter 2 is actually one of the first teachings that Jesus gave on the character of life in the kingdom of God on earth. 
from Mark chapter 2, which might be my favorite chapter of all the chapters in all of the Gospels. It's great. And I bet it's a familiar teaching to you if uh, you have been around the church for any length of time. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse, Jesus says. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. If you don't understand the symbolism here, let me explain it in 30 seconds. Um, if, uh, if you had uh, old-style fabric, we're not talking about the new, you know, laboratory fabrics, but something natural, natural fibers, cloth or linen or something like that, and it tears, and you take uh, a new piece of cloth and you sew it on to the old piece of cloth, and then, you know, you wash it. What happens when you wash cloth and you dry it out in the sun and it heats? What happens? Well, it shrinks. Does the old cloth shrink? No, old cloth is already shrunken. Does the new cloth shrink? Yes. So if you put new cloth on old cloth, you wash it, you sun dry it, the new cloth will will shrink and instead of fixing the tear, it will create a bigger tear. And Jesus is talking to, you know, very earthy people who made their own clothes and patched their own clothes, so they would have gotten this analogy perfectly. It's like, oh, sometimes the new and the old don't go together very well. And then he he kind of repeats the lesson using a different analogy uh, having to do with winemaking. How many of you have made wine? We had and one small group that used to make beer in the bathtub then tap the keg and have a Matthew party with the friends, right? I remember that. But I don't know any winemaking. Uh, but wine, like all alcoholic drinks, it ferments, right? Uh, so what you do is you put a bunch of juice in a bottle and then you seal it up and then you put it someplace relatively cool and dry. Uh, and uh, there's fermentation in the juice. I won't explain what that is. Uh, consult your local microbiologist. Um, Adrian will tell you. She explained it to them. Uh, and uh, it releases gas and it expands and creates alcohol, which is where the fun comes from. Um, they used to make wine in the old days in skins. They didn't have rigid, strong bottles. They would have basically leathered skins. And so when the wine fermented, uh, it would expand. And as in a balloon, it would actually expand the skin. Well, does old leather expand well? No, old leather is dry and rigid. You know, that's why it cracks. Uh, New leather still maintains some elasticity, so it would balloon out as the wine expanded. So if you were making wine, you couldn't use old leather pouches because the fermentation would begin, uh, the gas would be released, the wine would expand, and it would just rip the old leather. So you had to use new leather Flexible, flexibility. You needed flexibility. Uh, so basically the teaching is that, hey, if you want to participate in the kingdom of God on earth, you're going to need to expand yourself from time to time. You're going to have to cultivate a certain degree of flexibility in yourself. Otherwise, you're going to blow apart. 
You're not going to be able to contain everything that God wants to do in your life. Are you following me? You following Jesus? You got the teaching? Pretty straightforward teaching. Uh, the context matters in this teaching, as it so often does in Jesus' teaching in Scripture. Uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, in which we read this teaching here, uh, is a wonderful chapter in that Jesus does a bunch of new, new things. I would call them shiny new things, in that there's something appealing about all of them. And yet, they all get criticized by the religious people, the intellectual people that are following Jesus around. Uh, the chapter opens, Jesus heals a paralyzed guy. One of my favorite healing stories. It's the one where some friends bring their paralyzed companion. There's such a crowd around Jesus that they end up digging a hole through the roof of the house where Jesus is holding court. And then they lower the paralyzed guy through the new hole in the roof. They just vandalize this house we don't know whose house it is, and they lower the paralyzed guy down there, and it's just an outrageous story. I mean, you can imagine. It was a very entertaining afternoon. And Jesus uh, forgives the guy and then heals the guy miraculously, and the religious authorities there are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't just go around forgiving people. You know, that's, that's not how God works. Only God can forgive people, and frankly, we have careful laws for doing that. You've got to sacrifice things and go to the temple and go through these rituals, and Jesus is just like, no, you're forgiven. And just to prove to you uh, that I can do that, you are also miraculously healed, and the paralytic stands up and walks, and it just fries people's brains. It was new. It was new. Uh, no one would say, oh, it's bad to heal a paralytic man. That's evil. Nobody would say that, but they were saying, you did it the wrong way. Isn't that crazy? Wow, that is an unspeakable miracle, but we don't like how you did it. And believe it or not, that's the attitude that ended up getting Jesus murdered. It's like, the shiny new thing I like, but I'm kind of attached to my old thinking, and because I won't let go of it, I will kill you. And that's basically uh, the story of the drama in, in the Gospels. Um, and uh, it goes out uh, with there, Jesus is walking by the lake where he did a lot of his ministry, and he sees a guy named Levi, who's a tax collector, a very evil man. A uh, tax collector was basically a mafia bag man, uh, a traitor uh, from the Jews, siding with the Romans as the Romans exploited the Jews financially. So a very hated man. Uh, this guy was named Levi, called Matthew uh, in other Gospels, and, and Jesus said, follow me, and just makes Levi a follower. He would go on to become one of the 12 apostles, a great figure in early church history. But he started out as a thief and a bully and an extortionist, you know. And Levi throws a party. Uh, he invited all of his sinful friends, you know, other tax men and and thieves, and probably women of ill repute, and, and, and Jesus parties with them. If a criminal changes his life, is that a good thing? That'd be a good thing. But then Jesus just partied with the sinners, and that freaked out all the proper people. All the proper people. So they kind of like the new shiny thing, but it challenged their old conceptions and it got Jesus in trouble. 
uh, Jesus and his disciples did not look sad and weary when they ministered. All of the other religious people of the day did. They fasted regularly, you know, one or two times a week, depending on what sect they belonged to. And, and the religious authorities noticed that Jesus didn't fast. He wasn't mopey all the time, and they criticized him for that. We like your ministry. It seems to be pretty impressive, but you don't look religious. You know, they picked grain on the Sabbath day in Mark chapter 2 because they were hungry and they were just kind of walking around homeless. It was the only way that they could eat. But the religious people thought, well, picking grain on the Sabbath day is a little bit like harvesting on the Sabbath day, and that's a little bit like work, and you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. How dare you? You're breaking God's law. Never mind that you just miraculously healed somebody. Uh, so all of these things are going on in Mark chapter 2. And this is the context into which Jesus gives this teaching. He says, look, essentially, you kind of like the new things that you're seeing. I'm telling you right now, those things mean that you're going to have to change some of your old ways. The new ways necessitate an updating of the old ways. The new teachings necessitate the updating of some of your old conceptions. Are you following me? It's hard to combine new with old. It requires some flexibility. It requires some change. It requires some personal progress and expansion from you if you're going to participate in this amazing thing called the kingdom of God. My own experience on this has been profound over the years, not just in me personally, as I have realized the need to constantly be growing, constantly be learning, constantly be changing. I mean, there's not a year that goes by that God is not discipling me and changing me uh, about something. But I've also found that, that good people, that good Christian people, don't mind the godly things that I do, uh, you know, say supernatural ministry or healing people or prophecy. Um, I've become marginally well-known for that around here. Uh, as many of you know, I'm um, sometimes invited to go around the world and, and to talk about it, to minister with Blue Water teams and, and such. Uh, they don't mind that the Holy Spirit comes, you know. Um, but I am often criticized for the way I go about doing it or for the way things feel. Uh, there, was, uh, some, there were some people uh, a little while ago who came to the church to experience the power of the Holy Spirit but left the church um, because um, I said a bad word in a sermon. You know, and that was unchristian. Um, what they thought was a bad word. I don't know what it was. Crap or something like that. Nobody leave. <laughs> I, think, I think I was telling a story and it added a little authenticity and color, okay? Um, which, which is not to denigrate those people. It's just to say, I mean, there are lots of ways in which this happens, you know, and it can happen for good Christian people, and it can happen to people who are maybe unbelievers or maybe just starting to seek God, you know? Can you remember having this experience when you were seekers, when you were investigating God, and you sort of encountered the kingdom of heaven on earth in some fashion? You encountered the people of God. You encountered the presence of God. And you were like, I like this. 
there is something important and new and something shiny in this. I want to be part of this, I think. And then a short while later, you realize that to be part of this new life-giving thing, you were going to have to let go of something old in your life, that God was calling you maybe to release uh, a habit um, or a belief or a self-identity that was getting in the way. And you had your first discipleship experience in that moment. It's like, I like the new. The problem is I kind of like the old as well. It's like, I, I like the idea of life change. Uh, however, change can be painful in these areas that I wish to protect. Did anybody have that experience when you were starting out? Just, just say amen. Humor me. You know what you need to resolve? You need to resolve to give the pastor a little encouragement and feedback in the middle of sermons. So just, let's, let's just make that our New Year's resolution. Everybody. I'm dying up here, people. Thank you. Now you sound like a church. Nice haircut. I didn't even cut my hair, but thank you. I washed it. It's a New Year's resolution. Yeah, but I like that. All right, thank you. Thank you. Um, we were, uh, several years ago, we were uh, approached by a, uh, a, a Christian TV station in town uh, because we were doing a lot of justice things and had gotten some notoriety and doing a lot of supernatural things in the church, so they wanted to film our services and televise it, so we did that. And less than a year later, uh, I was, uh, we were kicked off the air uh, because I used an analogy in a sermon that they didn't like. Uh, had to do with the, the old Jewish sacrificial system, something that would totally bore you uh, were I to uh, rehash it. Um, but the old and the new, right? The old and the new. They often clash. This part is good. Oh, this part is bad. I don't like it. This part is really wonderful. This part is really uncomfortable. And part of our personal maturity is just getting through it. Do you have the strength to change? Do you have the faith to sacrifice old things for the sake of expansion uh, in your life? Are you willing to be a new wineskin? Or do you insist on being an old one? Um, sometimes people encounter the things of God and just reject them outright. But my experience is, my observation is, that most people encounter the things of God and love them, but end up rejecting them because they also love old things in their life, old things in the world. That's why people can't hang in the kingdom of heaven. It's not because they don't like the kingdom of heaven. It's because they just don't like the things they need to let go of to be part of it. You know? And we experience that 10,000 different ways in our life. I like New Year's resolutions because if I say, how do you want to change your life? What do you want to add to your life? Like, it's pretty easy to come up with answers. But if you're going to make a change in your life, the challenge is not finding something you want to add. It's what? It's letting go of the things you need to let go of to make the change. Uh, a lot of you will have New Year's resolutions that have to do with your schedule, right? Finding time in your schedule to do this or putting this or that into your 
daily or weekly routine? Well, if you're going to put something into your schedule, what does that mean? Something has got to get out of your schedule, right? Because how many of you spend every day just looking for ways to fill your day, right? We all feel busy, even if we're not actually busy, right? We all feel pressures, and it's the, it's the elimination that is often the challenge, right? But that's the thing that defines our flexibility. So, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, they're often exciting because they promise new shiny things, but they often crash and burn because to accomplish them, we have to change old things. You know, old wineskins just won't do for, for new wine. Uh, so I was thinking about how I'm going to do my New Year's resolutions this year, uh, and, and here's what I've come up with. Uh, first off, I'm going to try and let God lead. I'm going to ask him, hey, what do you want to change? What do you think it would be good for me to change and to pursue this year? Frankly, for me, that's usually easy, right? I, I, never, I never lack ideas. It seems that God never lacks ideas about things I need to change. I don't, I don't know how he comes up with them. Uh, but, you know, he's very often pointing. And, and I've noticed, uh, as I've sort of prayed and meditated on what I want to change in the coming year, I've noticed that he often puts his finger on the thing that I was supposed to change last year that I didn't quite pull off. Is this just me? I'm not, I'm not a very good Christian. Uh, maybe some of you feel my pain. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to let God lead. And, then, and this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to think of one thing that I want to add, one thing that I want to pick up, and then I'm going to think of one thing that I want to subtract, one thing that I need to put down. I'm going to pick something up. I've got to figure out what I'm going to put down in order to facilitate the change. Are you following me? Yeah? Everybody clap once if you're following me. Do you like this idea? Does this feel like a good plan to you? I feel like it's, you know, it's something about it that's in keeping with, with uh, Jesus' teaching. So uh, can you do the exercise with me? Can we do it this morning? Pull out your smartphone or, you know, a, a pen and use the back of the program or something that you want. And let's just, let's just make some notes. Let's just do an exercise together. Because uh, church is uh, it's not just for listening, is it? need to think this through. If you have nothing to write with, if you have no way to make notes, you just have to confess it all to your neighbor. That's all. Stand up and shout it to the assembly. All right. Uh, one of the ways we celebrate resolutions at, at uh, Blue Water, all joking aside, is to share them, you know. Uh, share them with the people uh, in our lives, whoever you're in it with um, a lot of the Ohana groups. I think pretty much all of the Ohana groups will be sharing uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, Ohana groups are small group meetings that we do during the weeks in offices and homes and places like that. People that you meet with weekly or thereabouts to live life with. So you want to share your resolutions with your Ohana group. If you don't have an Ohana group yet, there's your resolution. Get one. There should be an amen there. One thing Ohana's group, Ohana groups do for you on a weekly basis is that they ask you questions. Uh, they, make you, they make you think. 
Um, all right, so what's one change you want to add into your life? Just one thing. Take a few seconds. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He is in the house, and uh, he is at work. So one thing you want to add into your life, be as specific as possible. So rather than saying, oh, I want to get healthier, uh, you would say, oh, well, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to cut 30 points off my cholesterol, you know, whatever. Just be as specific as possible, okay? I'll give you some time for this. All right, if you got the one thing, then let me, let me ask, what, what's your method or your plan for implementing it? So let's say you wanted to cut 30 points off your cholesterol. You're going to go about doing that by dot, 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 and just fill, fill in the blank. I'm going to cut 30 points off my cholesterol by uh, becoming a vegan and signing up for the justice run. I'm just saying. Um, something uh, that um, manifests your path of progress. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? It doesn't have to be total, but just like, oh, this is a thing or some things uh, that I will use to implement this change. Adjustments might have to be made later, but just, I don't think about it for 30 seconds. Every mission needs a method, so I ask method questions. So you get up in the morning, you have something to do to, to complete the resolution mission. All right, so that's one thing that you feel like you want to add. A um, couple ideas maybe for how you might go about implementing it in your life. What's one thing you're going to remove from your life this year? One thing that needs to go. It might be directly related to the thing that you want to add. You know, I want to become healthier this year. Um, I will <clears throat> not watch TV in the evenings so that I can do my Tabata workout. Um, you know, some that might be directly linked. Um, I'm going to make friends in the office. Uh, therefore, I will stop yelling at my cubicle mates. You know, it might, it might be directly linked that way, but it might not be. It's just something that the Lord has pointed out in your heart and said, yeah, this really needs to go. This really needs to go because it's making you an inflexible person. It's making you a restricted person generally. It's keeping you from flowing in the kingdom of heaven on earth. So what's one thing that you need to eliminate this year? I bet a lot of you have interesting answers. Maybe some of you have basic answers like, I will eat better and lose 10 pounds uh, this year. Uh, I will eliminate desserts after dinner. There's an addition and an elimination. You're adding health. You're eliminating ice cream. Um, I will pray 10 minutes before heading to work. There's a, an addition and a plan 
uh, I will give up 10 minutes of sleep. I will set my alarm earlier. You know, these things might flow. I will make a weekly Ohana group. I will empower this by giving up what? That's something that some of you may need to uh, think through. Um, I uh, <clears throat> have a book that I'm working on, and it's like two years overdue. So I'm going to finish writing my book. I have a routine plan for, for doing that. One of the things that I have to do in my life is give up uh, uh, extraneous reading. I'm, I'm a learnaholic, kind of a good thing to be. But you know, I'm always watching lectures on YouTube and reading Wikipedia articles and stuff like that. I'm one of those guys that actually donates to Wikipedia annually because I just feel like it's the best tool humanity has ever invented. It's like, I mean, if you're a learner, Wikipedia is just amazing. Um, but, but so is the gospel. Okay. Um, um, so I have ideas about doing that. Again, the reason we do exercises like this, and, and I hope you continue them in your Ohana group, and we'll carry through to next week and, and uh, spend some time next week doing something that's a bit thematically similar. Um, the reason we do stuff like this is so that we are kingdom people, so that we have blue water adventures, so we're not just hugging the coastline, so that we're out far and in deep with God. Because, you know, you get one life on earth, and you want to live it well. And living it well means changing all the time, expanding all the time. You don't want to get to 40 years old and figure, well, now I'm just going to coast till I die or something like that. It's just not how this works. There are people you need to influence. You are called to be salt. You are called to be light. And you don't want to be the restriction on that, right? You don't want your own inflexibilities and and incapacity to change to be the thing that limits the flow of God's grace, power, and love through you, right? You want to be the sort of person who is flexible, growing, and changing. That is kingdom 101. That is something that we all need to work on. So that's why we do exercises like this. It's just basic personal fitness for spiritual life. And you might not think that there is a big connection between, I don't know, resolving to lower your cholesterol and being a vessel of salvation for your coworkers. But I promise you there is at least some. You constantly want to be working out the muscle that allows you to become who you feel you should be. And one of the lies that Satan tells all of us is that things will always be the same, that you will always be the same. It's just one of his primary lies. And you should do anything that you have to do to defeat the power of that lie in your life. Maybe some of you feel like, well, you know, personal fitness is an area that I can dominate. But, whew, man, my marriage is stuck. My career is stuck. My relationships stink. You know, there is often a place in our life where we feel like change can't happen. And so one of the things we do at Blue Water is that we just drill people on changefulness. That's a big word for us around here. Are you the sort of person who has the capacity to change things in your world? Kingdom 101, personal discipleship fitness. 
the book that I'm currently uh, writing has to do with the life of try. If you've been around Blue Water for any length of time, the word try is huge. You know, it's what it says on our church t-shirts and bumper stickers and stuff like that. Faith is trying, right? It's not even succeeding. It's just all in the try. You're constantly trying what you ought to do. One of my missions in life, one of my big life pursuits is to turn believers into triers. And in some ways, I feel like that was Jesus' mission as well. He came into a culture that was steeped in religion, that was steeped in belief, that was steeped in adherence to what they thought were the ways of God and the important things of God. And Jesus shook that all up. Instead of saying, believe, adhere, he said, follow, participate, put some feet on it, get moving. Try things. Try things. And he never said, like, agree with me and then come. He would say, follow me and see what you discover along the way. Right? It's all about the trying. It's all about the changing. It's all about the renewing, making things new. If you're the sort of person who can make things new in your life consistently, then you will discover new things about the ways of God all the time all the time. You will be a learner where it counts most. You will be a learner in the kingdom of heaven on earth. Um, that's the real sermon uh, today. And I want to convince you to kind of embrace the basic kingdom teaching. P progress in life. Be a progressive person you know, in all the ways that you should. Never limit yourself. Never indulge in defeatism of any sort. If the status quo is unacceptable, you must change it. One of my personal proverbs. Change something, even if you don't know exactly what needs to be changed. If things are stuck, move. Try. And that's why we do New Year's resolutions, and you all love New Year's resolutions so much. Remember, remember? Yeah. We'll work on that. <clears throat> uh, Heavenly Father, um, I do pray um, that you would cement in us the capacity to never be cemented. That you would change us in a way that begets constant change. I pray, Lord, that the next few weeks uh, at Blue Water Mission would be weeks in which the voice of God is plentiful. As I prayed at the beginning, I, I asked, Lord, that you would shepherd us through the transitions that we need. That you would be our personal Lord, personal discipler. Come, Holy Spirit, and remind each individual of the things that they've heard. Maybe they've been hearing, but have not really been listening to. Hey, the Lord is with you. That is Him speaking to you. And you know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to pull it off. It's going to be better than you think because God loves you more than you think. Just let your heart expand to receive that for a change. You can be a new person 
You don't have to accommodate life to suit you. You can change to suit a bigger life. I promise you that. You are a child of God. Just let your heart and mind expand a little bit to receive that. Forget the limits. Renew. Ever new. Ever new wineskin. In Christ's name.